is the text that I was talking about. Now, for those of you who are here for the first time, I don't usually bang rocks, um, you know, and try to destroy things on Sunday morning um, just today. But the gospel lesson today comes from Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 29. I'd like to invite you to stand as we read about the journey that Jesus took to literally change the world. Change the world and change you and change me. When Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany, he sent two of the disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you, and upon entering it, you will find tied there a colt on which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, just say, the Lord needs it. And so those who were sent departed, and they found it just as Jesus had told them. And while they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. And so they brought the colt to Jesus. And after putting their cloaks on it, they set Jesus on the colt. And as he rode along, they kept throwing their garments on the road ahead of him. As they were now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell your disciples to be silent. And Jesus said to them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones themselves would start shouting. Are you listening? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The Passover experience was one of the the biggest festivals in all of history. And people from all over came to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices and to celebrate the Passover meal, which celebrated their liberation from slavery in Egypt centuries before. It was such an important and powerful event that important people came, like Herod the king... Oh, he came, and he was there during the, 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 the feast, and, and uh, he came in all of his pomp and circumstances, and there was a parade for him, and people were expected to say, Blessed is the king! Blessed is the king! And then Pontius Pilate, huh, of course, he wouldn't miss the photo op. This is a political event as well, and he wanted to keep peace. And so not only did he want to ingratiate himself to uh, the Jewish people in uh, Jerusalem, but he also wanted to keep them from getting out of hand, and so he brought a whole bunch of soldiers with him because if things got out of hand, he would call down the might of Rome, and it could very well be his own head. And so Pilate came in on his entourage on his steed, his powerful horses with his soldiers, and people were lining the street, praising him because 
they had to. And then there was another stir that began to take shape as they came down from the Mount of Olives. As Jesus was riding along, this prophet from Nazareth was riding along on a donkey. The Pharisees thought it was stupid, but the joke was really on them. As they had been shouting, Blessed is the King Herod who comes, now they were turning and saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. The common folks, they knew the power of this man because they had experienced his deeds. And many of them had seen, not just but days before, the raising of Lazarus and other miracles that he had performed. And so they were gathered and they grabbed whatever they could they grab leafy branches from, from the fields or, or, or palm branches. You know, the palm branches was, was a political symbol. just like the stars and stripes are for us in this country. And shouting Hosanna, that was a political chant as well, saying, free us from the clutches of Roman imperialism. And so they began to shout and rejoice. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And there were people who got jealous that this entrance upstaged what even Herod and Pilate could muster. What are the kind of people that were in the crowd? Of course, there were the Pharisees. We told about the Pharisees. Teacher, tell your disciples to be silent. We want someone who will honor the law, the Old Testament law, the Torah, and not someone who looks for popularity. There were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They would soon learn the error of their way. You see, there were the, the scribes who uh, advocated for a meticulous obedience to the letter of the law. There were the zealots. These are the ones who carried knives in their back pockets and they were ready to revolt at the drop of a hat if someone started an insurrection. There were the Essenes who were pacifists, peaceful loving, and wouldn't want to stand against the power of Rome for anything. They just wanted to attend to their spiritual selves. All of them good and when Jesus looked at them, he knew he was going to have a tough job. He knew it was going to be a tough week. He knew that he, for some, provided good news, and he, for some, provided bad news. Have you ever had good news and bad news? Kind of like when I went to the doctor not long ago, and, and the doctor came in and was looking at my chart, and he said, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Which do you want first? I said, I don't know. He said, well, then I'll give you both at the same time. Your weight remains the same. <laughs> As if I didn't already know that. And then it reminded me of the, of the story of, of the woman who got called into the boss's office. 
in a large corporation, and uh, she was with fear and trembling, went into the bosses, I wonder, was she going to get a pink slip, what was the deal? And the boss sat her down and said, I got some good news for you and some bad news for you. Which do you want first? And she, with fear and trembling, said, I do not know. And he said, well, then I'll give you both at the same time. I'm promoting you to senior management. Mm-hmm. Good news in some respects, bad news in others. Or like the game, did you see the game last night? You see number five, uh, Lamont Butler? As, as he threw that last second shot and the buzzer rang while it was in the air and it went in and the fortune suddenly changed to the San Diego State ball team and they won the game in the last half a second. It was good news for some and bad news for others and a little bit of both for some who were go, what? What just happened? What just happened? And then to get serious about it, I mean, we can get pretty serious about all this good news, bad news stuff. I can give you one word summary of good news and bad news for our country. One word. Indictment. We've got a lot of rocky roads to traverse in the coming weeks, no matter which side you fall on. Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, was both good news and bad news. And if you put them together, it can be summed up in one statement. Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is who he said he was. For most, it would be good news. For some, it would be bad news because a new level of righteousness would be the order of the day and he was willing to risk his life to demonstrate its power. He knew it would be a tough week. Renee Brown, in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Oh, there it is. Cultivating a Resilient Spirit. If we study this Jesus who came into Jerusalem, on that day that we call Palm Sunday, we could get quite a few lessons in building resilience in our lives. He knew it would be a tough week. And for some of you, it's going to be a tough week this week as well. The things you have to face, the good news, the bad news, the good news, and the bad news, it all gets mixed together, and we get mixed in the midst of it. But the one who comes riding into Jerusalem gives us the possibility of a hopeful self-talk. That's what Brene Brown calls it. A hopeful self-talk. So that when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we can see ourselves as God sees us. And to stop this self-deprecating behavior that drives ourselves, we are our worst critics at times. And allow ourselves to open up to the hopeful self-talk that comes from following the one who rode into Jerusalem 
who can, with his eyes, look at each one of us and say, I see you, I hear you, I understand you fully, and I love you deeply. That's why when we uh, recite John 3.16, I insist that we do verse 17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17 is critical. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. As Jesus entered the great city that day, he knew what he was getting into. But he also knew it would be worth every bit of it. And he would build a resilient spirit that would toughen up when things went sour and that would carry him through the worst that life could hand us. One of the quotes that I've been reminded of, and I may talk about it more next week, is uh, the brilliance of Easter morning. The brilliance of Easter morning is most poignant to those who have also encountered Good Friday and the darkness it holds. Those who have suffered greatly in this life are also those who can experience the brilliance of God with us. That's what it's all about. So, if this week is good news for you, rejoice. If it is bad news for you, take heart and walk with the one who has been there, done that, and never got the t-shirt, but would do it all over again for you and for me. Amen.